Michael O'Neill, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you today? I'm really good, guys. Thanks. I love the name of this. Oh, awesome. (laughs) We like to get a little crazy, you know, a little roundtable conversation. Just kick back and talk about your career, man. You got a lot to talk about. Well, they let the old guy work for a long time. I I have one question for you guys, though. What does a sane ant farm look like? We don't want to know, Michael. It's true. (laughs) We couldn't tell you. And if we did, we'd be in trouble, I think. Exactly. We'd be out of a job. (laughs) Well, we'll just leave that one go. All right. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations on the on the huge success of the launch of Council of Dads, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But we're so happy that you're on to talk about that. Yeah, thank you, Justin. We're excited about it. You know, it's it's um, we, we've been living with it for a while, so it's nice to let it breathe and get it out in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, I mean, we've got so much to talk to you about. Such a storied career. I was a huge fan of the West Wing and your work on the West Wing and the unit and so much stuff. And Logan, Lo- Logan has some beef with you about Grey's Anatomy. Just we're saying. Gonna, we're going to get into that one in <laughs> oh, a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, mm. A little piece of my fanny hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a fun part to talk about. But, <laughs> um, but first, what we'd like to do is kind of give you a little introduction to the to the listeners and everything and kind of tell them how you got started in the industry and uh, stuff like that. So was it something you always kind of knew you wanted to do from a young age or how did it all kind of come about, man? You know what, Dustin? It wasn't. Um, I was of a generation that was was uh, in Vietnam, um, and when when it came time for the U.S. government to invite me, they began to wind the war down, and um, so I was not called to go, and it left me with uh, a lot of freedom that I didn't anticipate having, and I I decided to leave the South and go to California because I wanted to see some of the world, mm-hmm. and all the world lived in California, don't you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> And so I, um, I loaded up my car and I drove out there not knowing where I was going. And I got involved by invitation with a little Shakespearean repertory company in Topanga Canyon, a little open air theater company. And I went from being uh, a, a, not an actor to being a, a, a bad actor and, not a very good, <laughs> you know, and, and then a not a very good actor and then an aspiring actor and then a guy that was um, – earnest about his effort and then i got better thank god <laughs> i'd say you got pretty good because like we like Agreed. we talked about the, the career has been pretty long man so i think you're doing all right exactly 122 acting credits i mean uh, yeah come so on so many <laughs> notable ones man <laughs> definitely yeah. so it's always interesting to hear how it comes though you know you sometimes we have people on and they were like oh when i was six i knew right away this is and then others who just kind of fall into it and right. have these amazing careers it's always so cool to hear like that well you know what I, i'm intimidated by those people that knew it six <laughs> I, I, I did the only play i ever did in my life at, at six years old right. i was a leaf in the school play <laughs> non-speaking part there you go and and i must have blown it because i didn't set foot on a stage again for you know i don't know 18 years something like that <laughs> yeah i mean you got to be pretty gung-ho at six right like right. i still had the <laughs> towel around my neck and playing batman i mean that's about as best i could do at six so i don't know yeah yeah that's yeah but it's it's as sweet as it Yes, you know. Okay, let's talk about it. you're the father of lovely daughters, correct? Myself also. I am. Um, Rich and wh- girls. Yes, girls are the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you? Are you shying them away? Are you like you know get it? Don't come into this industry or how? How's that? I'm always curious about like especially somebody who's had such a long career in it and seen the ups and downs of the industry. How are you with them? You know, they're very very supportive. 
um, Dustin, there, but that none of them have any interest whatsoever in going into the entertainment business. There you go. Uh, they just, you know, they grew up with sort of the vagaries of the uncertainty of it and, and my, uh, you know, emotional ups and downs. And they thought, you know, they said to me one day, we want to go to a real job. And I said, I think that's a great idea. You guys do that. So uh, I don't think I, I'm in danger of any of them following in their father's footsteps. Although I will say this, they've been incredibly supportive since Transformers on. You know, oh, they were right. like, they they were about of the age to figure out that I was actually an actor when I did Transformers. And I was in a theater in, in Palm Springs on the holiday weekend and I walked onto the screen. My character did. And all of a sudden, one of my girls goes, Dad, that's you. <laughs> And you know what happened? Every head in the theater goes, Zoop. Yep, right. Yep, absolutely. Oh. It's like, thanks, yeah, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, we got some explaining to do, Lucy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, I mean, but economics background. So, I mean, that, that's that got to help during some stretches when you're an aspiring actor, right? I'm going to be able to figure out the finances, I'm assuming. Um, I wish that were true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, I think about some of the jobs that I worked. Mm. Listen, I was a bicycle messenger in New York. Um, I was a carpenter. You know, I was a, a, a obligatory bartender. Sure. Um, taught school for a little while. Um, you know, was a construction worker for a long time in L.A. You just do what you do to keep body and soul together. So I understood that part of the economics. There you go. Um but I never really got to use the degree, if you know what I mean. You're a brave individual, though. A bike messenger in New York City, that, yeah, that's seriously. a brave individual. <laughs> Do you know, I don't know if that's brave or dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a very thin it, line. It's, it is. It, it, and it started early in the morning, and the thin line just got thinner and thinner. Oh, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, you play very brave individuals. A lot of senators, a lot of uh, a lot of military guys. You know, you're you're like these very distinguished hardcore gentlemen. You know, do do you like that or do, I mean, because I get the sense that you're a pretty funny guy as well. Well, I, you know, I gosh, I'm not funny. I wish I were. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't carry a joke in a bucket, but. <laughs> They think I have authority because of the mustache. Uh, I know is that what it is? I, okay. I've thought about this a lot, and I really do think it's the mustache. They assume I'm either law enforcement. And that used to happen to me a lot. People would think I was a cop. And Interesting. I, I, I had lunch at a little deli here not long ago, and I got up to leave, and the woman that was sitting at the table next to me said, hey, I know who you are. And I said, really? She said, yeah, you're the cop who put me in jail. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I started to back away and I said, I'm glad to see you're doing better. Oh. And I left, you know, because you just, you don't want to get in it. Right. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> but I think that's what it is. I think it's just, you know, that I, I have some sort of military bearing or something. Well, uh, you do it extremely well. I, I have to say that you do it extremely well. And I do. I want to talk about, let's, let's jump in and talk about West Wing because man, what an incredible character that was, and what what a stretch, what a run on that show. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Phenomenal cast. I mean, Sorkin's writing on the show was brilliant. What was it like to be a part of that? You know, the, my first day on the set, Dustin John Spencer, who I had worked with, that played Leo, you know, mm -hmm. chief of staff. And John John took me by the hand because we'd done a, a couple of films together in a play, and he, he introduced me to everybody. He vouched for me. There you go. He said, he said, this guy's one of ours because they were a really tight ensemble, you know? Oh, absolutely. And the writing was so good. And they just open armed me. They just let me in. Um, and I didn't know uh, when we first started that that role was going to have an opportunity to develop and recur. And the script supervisor came to me one day on set and said, uh, they like you upstairs. You'll be back. Now, <laughs> That's always good to hear. It, you know, it is, except... 
every time I've ever heard that, I've never been invited. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, man, I really like the show, too. But they did. You know, Aaron continued to invite Butterfield back. And then they had that wonderful episodes or the two episodes in the shadow of the gunman. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was based, guys, on verbatim the experience that Jerry Parr had. Who was a Secret Service agent that pushed Reagan in the car? Right, right. When when Reagan, you remember that whole thing? Absolutely. I got to talk with him, and uh, he went through it chapter and verse with me. I mean, moment by moment by moment. And I said, "Can I introduce you to Aaron Sorkin?" And he said, "Of course you can." And so all of that behavior in that episode, everything that happened there, Jerry gave to me on the most generous platter. and I, I've, I'll be forever grateful to him. And the Secret Service was really generous to me. You know, they, they taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. They, they gave me a, a lot of tips, a lot of pointers, a lot of bearing. And, and so the obligation for me was just to play them as honestly and with as much dignity as I could because they were the real thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it, it, it was acting, but it, it got into – it touched on some very um, lifetime you know, sort of issues for me. Well, and I, yeah, and you could tell, I think that that had a lot to do with the, the popularity of Ron and, and, and why he did keep coming back. I, I, I thought that the, just the emotion that you show, I mean, you're back and forth with Alice and Janney and just like in so many scenes, I can recall in my head, it was so emotional. You could just tell that there was something there that you were pulling from. And I just thought it was fantastic, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks guys. I appreciated that. You know, that one let me in. Um, that role sort of helped me get inside of Hollywood and it kept me there, if you know what I mean, because it was such a popular show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of popular shows, I got to talk about it. I got to talk about it. I'm going (laughs) to hit hit me hard. I gotcha. I gotcha. But I'm just going to say, McDreamy, he's my little man crush. Everybody knows it on the show. All all of our audience knows it. It's literally a running joke for like a year now that that's his man crush. Exactly, exactly. So I hate your character for what you did. But on a serious (laughs) note, um, what was it like being on that set with such a serious tone of your storyline? And what was that like off camera? Like were the cast really just welcoming, bringing you in? Or what was that like? You know, not so much. Um (laughs) Because I was a pariah, right? And and, and so you know, it, you it leaks a little bit mm-hmm. in the relationships. No one treated me badly. I, I don't want to indicate that at all because that's not true. They were all very very professional with me. James Pickens, I think, was probably the most mm-hmm. uh, gracious. Um, but everybody had a job to do, definitely. And so what they knew was was that I, as an actor. Um, had to create the trouble Mm -hmm. and, and I was in a lot of trouble personally, you know, as a result of that role. So they gave me a lot of, they gave me a lot of space is what they did. And it was respectfully done. Um, But the the thing that happened to me on that show that I, I had never had happen was because I was isolated a lot. I Mm -hmm. kept my chair away from everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, because that character needed that. Definitely, um, especially after his wa- uh, wife passing and especially thinking it was wrongful death and, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. But every now and again, you know, a grip would walk by or a gaffer would walk by and they'd just tap me on the shoulder. They wouldn't say a word. <laughs> they would just they just put a hand. They just put a hand on my shoulder because mm-hmm. they knew they knew they could see it. You right. Know? And I always respected that and I appreciated that a lot that they were that 
you know, they were caring. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. They just, they knew I was in pain and, and, uh, there's going you know keep going guy you're doing you're doing your job that's so interesting it's like it's like listen man we like you but you're gonna shoot Derek. yeah that's not okay (laughs) that's like (laughs) so so you stay in the the corner (laughs) you know Derek was he was late in the game i thin the herd pretty good before i ever got to Derek. that's right (laughs) it's true uh, it's true oh man but you know logan brings up a great point such a controversial episode yeah i mean with with the gun law issues in this country and and Mm -hmm. safety issues in this country and everything yeah it's funny that we jump from west wing to this with two shooting incidents but it was such a powerful episode and it really i enjoy episodes like that though because they stick in your mind and they do make you talk yeah and i think it's important for conversation in this country and i so i i respect you and i really like episodes like that that get people talking exactly and i love what you brought to that character and what you brought out because you were coming from a place where you were doing the right thing because someone you loved so dear was taken away from you at the wrong time so it, it, yeah, it definitely starts a conversation. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think that was Miss Rhymes' intent was for for us to take a look at the ease of being able to get a gun in this country. That was a big issue, and also we don't often t- we don't take care of people well enough that mm-hmm. are on the margins. This guy was clearly the only thing that tethered him was his wife, right? And once she was gone, nobody ever bothered to look in on him again. Exactly. And I think she was trying to make a point about that, but. You know, I appreciate what you say. It was a hard, probably the hardest job I've ever had, um, but um, also one of the most to look back on it. And I don't look back on it much, but but to realize that um, I'm not going to have many performances in this life like that. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal. No it doubt, was. no doubt about it. And we, and of course we have to because we have a little running joke also amongst ourselves that I'm a huge resident fan and he's yeah. a huge Grays fan. And you're our second guest now that's appeared on both shows. So, <laughs> yeah, what is that about? I right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to stay out of the hospital, particularly right now. <laughs> yeah, do not need to yeah. be there. No. <laughs> yeah. And I and I never turn up as a popular character. You no, know, no, you weren't a very nice a, guy on the resident either. So yeah, which know. sucks because you're a really lovable guy. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve yeah. justice. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. This this show we're doing now is going to give it to me. There you go. Oh, definitely. And I want to quick uh, briefly about Dallas Buyers Club because you we, we're talking a lot of television, but you've done an amazing amount of films as well and some some biggies. I mean, Dallas Buyers Club just jumps off at the top of my head. Yeah, and I mean, I mean Jay Edgar with Leonardo DiCaprio, like a lot of good absolutely. ones. Absolutely. And I want to talk clemency too because I mean, Elfrey Woodard and uh, Richard Schiff, little West well, Wing reunion there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty remarkable to get to. And Aldous Hodges, who I had worked with on Leverage, absolutely. Um, you know, Alfrey Alfrey called uh, called out and said, "Michael, I have something I want you to do." And I said, "Alfrey, I'll wash your car if you want me to. <laughs> you know, tell me where you want me to be." Because she's just, you know, she's kind of extraordinary. She's mm-hmm. an extraordinary person. And when I found out I was going to get to work with Richard again, mm-hmm. you know. And Aldous, it was, and and the nature of the material, it's, you know, we don't see the death penalty. It's warehoused. So it's not something the public actually gets a glance at. Right, absolutely. Of course, you you know, in the film, we show two executions. And that took a little while to get, you know, um, recover from. I bet. Uh, Yeah, it it, it kind of sticks to you. Even though, you, you know, I know it's a pretend world, but if you pretend hard enough, there's there's some blowback on it, and uh, those actors were extraordinary. You know, oh, those yeah. Aldis and uh, they were they were just extraordinary. I don't you know I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, I think you know I just saw where Colorado um, uh, repealed the death penalty yesterday, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big deal. So there's something in the air 
uh, now in the water and I hope in the in the mind of consciousness. Uh, I saw a little burb that it cost three point five million dollars to to uh, try somebody yep. um, for the death penalty, which is twenty three times more than the cost of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Wow! Wow! Staggering you know, so. numbers, right? Is isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Uh, well, okay. <clears throat> From an actor standpoint, especially one who said, <laughs> you know, how you got started and everything, I'm just curious. Do you have a medium that you prefer? Are you more of a TV guy, or do you like the film aspect? Or I mean, which one? You know, it's funny you ask that, Dustin. Uh, I used to like film more because there was more time, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not the case. Like in Dallas Buyers Club, we shot that film in 22 days. Oh wow, wow! It just there there was no lighting package on it. We did existing light only, mm. so we we literally ran from one location to the next because we were trying to outrun darkness. And um, it, it so film it used to have the luxury of more time and more exploration and rehearsals and, and you know, uh, all that. And that's not the case anymore. So m- my truthful answer is I prefer television, but for the same reason that a lot of writers do, it's the long form. Right. right. You, you can explore so much more. You can put a pause on it and come back to it. You know, or turn it in a way that no one saw it coming, which Aaron Sorkin was so brilliant at. But, um, you know, in that regard, I think we're sort of in a golden age of television right now. It's it's just it's exploding with so many good writers and storylines that I'm like, whoa, I'm glad I lived this long. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Well, okay, so let's talk about the biggie then. Council of Dads, your new show, debuted last week and and just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's getting a lot of praise. It's being compared a lot to This Is Us with with the yeah. with the ensemble cast and the, and the heavy drama and comedy and everything. I'm super excited to talk about this one. I think the premise is absolutely brilliant. Um, for anybody who doesn't know who didn't catch the pilot episode, and if you didn't, come on, what's wrong? Um, it's about a father who, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, it's about a father who is diagnosed and finds out he's dying from cancer and and feels like he, he still wants his kids to have a fatherly influence or a dad influence in their lives. So he brings together this collection of friends um, to take the place of him after he passes to be the father influ- influence in the kids' lives. And I got to tell you, it's just absolutely brilliant. Well, you're a dad. I am a dad. dad. And the first thing that you would think of um, if something threatens your life is, will my children be okay? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, and the the sadness is I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there to walk them down the aisle and I'm not going to be there to comfort them if they lose the big ball ball game or celebrate them, win the whatever it is. That's your the most uh, gripping thought you have is, will my kids be all right? And. I love the premise of this, that he brought together three guys from very different walks in his life. You right, know, I mean, right. Anthony's a childhood friend, you know, and it just kind of, you know, he's a free spirit and a chef and creative and unpredictable. And then, you know, Oliver is his oncologist mm-hmm. and happens to be his wife's best friend. And they share a friendship. Their daughters are best friends. So they, they know one another. And then my character, Larry, he sponsors Scott, the father, sponsored. And I love the fact that he's younger than I am, but he sponsored me in AA, you know, so he knew uh, that I'd lost a family to alcoholism and and brought me in to, you know, ask me to be there for his family and not knowing if I had the skill set to do it. But I think he knew that I needed them as much as they needed me. Absolutely. And so it's it's a wonderful, um, and I do think you're. I think it's an honest look at, at society as we are now, but an honest look at 
what any of us would try to do, given the thought of of our imminent demise and not being there for for our families. Well, absolutely, and I th- I think the reason it's it's a hit, and I think it's it's going to have long legs, is because it it's something you can connect to. You you said it right. That is, you know, it's a snapshot of society today and, and maybe what we need more of and, and highlight less of what we don't need. But the reason I think that it's going to do so well is because you can connect. And I think those are the shows that do the best is when you can connect to a character and, and or a storyline that, that you've been through or you know somebody that's been through. And I really think this show is going to do that. I lost my dad when I was eight. So I know what it's like to kind of come up without having a father. And then I had health issues myself, already had a heart attack. And my immediate thought was what happens if I go now and my kid is young and doesn't have a father like I had to grow up with. So immediately it's one of those storylines where I saw it and I was like, oh, I could definitely connect to this. And I have to imagine there's going to be a bunch of people across the country that that are going to feel the same way. Yeah, I think so. And I'm, and uh, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. I just think, um, and I'm glad you survived. Me too. (laughs) And I'm glad for your kids. You know, it's just, um, I do think people are going to, some people it's going to hit really hard and and because they're going to have events in their own lives that, you know, they're going to look at and and it's going to resonate for them. And, and I, and I hope it's cathartic for them in Mm -hmm. that, in that regard, you know, and some people it's going to, they're going to stop and and think about, wait a minute, what happens, you know, because we're not wired to think about our own end. No. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a whole lot going on here. And, and if I may add, there's also a lot of humor in this. Sarah Wayne Callis, who plays, you know, plays Robin. She plays the wife of, uh, and the mom of this wonderful brood of children. And, um, she she is quick to point out, yeah, you you better bring your Kleenex, but you're also going to laugh some. And I think that's important, you know, that we can try to make sure that we incorporate that. Absolutely, uh, because there's a lot of humor in tragedy. Well, I mean, yeah. that's just reality. You know, sometimes yeah. you, you're, you're, you're so grief stricken, you don't even realize that what you're doing is pretty freaking funny. I mean, you know. Yeah. And grief is so different for everyone. And it's also different. It exercises itself differently in different times. You know, how do you define it? You know, it's so hard to know what this particular moment of grief is going to do because it will surprise you. It'll turn and do something ridiculous. You know, so I, I think we've we've incorporated, you know, as much of the um, uh, the uncertain you right. know, as we can. And, and how do we and then the question becomes, how do we move forward? How do we help them? Absolutely. You know, how do you how do you figure out a way what somebody needs and love them in that way? And, uh, you know, Larry, who's the old guy and sort of a tough love kind of character, thinks he's right most of the time. And that's not. <laughs> That's not always helpful. It's the mustache. <laughs> We're going to blame it on the mustache again. <laughs> Anybody with a mustache is always right. I mean, you know. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to tell the writer. writer to get on that. You, you have him call me if he's got any problem with that, all right? <laughs> I would definitely do that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Sarah too, because and the rest of the cast because it's a phenomenal cast. I mean, absolutely, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Everett Scott for a long time, and I just think the entire cast is brilliant. Yeah, they they did something special with this, and and the the wild thing for us is when we came together so quickly. I genuinely like them. You know, I, I thirty seconds after meeting them, or th- certainly thirty minutes after meeting them. I cared about who they were and I got an idea of who they were. And then as we worked together, it's the fastest I've ever had an, a, a genuine affection 
grow in the cast. It made me think of the West Wing in that regard mm, mm. because they had that respect and affection for one another. And mm-hmm. it happened quickly, you know. And you guys um, shoot this in Savannah, right? It, it takes place yeah. in Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's that like? Well, it was a character in the in the piece. You know, Savannah's gorgeous. And uh, it's, it's based on a bro- book called Council of Death that Bruce Feiler, who was a Savannah native, wrote. And so when they decided to place it, they said, let's place it where it started in Savannah. So we were there for five and a half months filming the series and, and really adored it. Boy, Savannah was great, great food. Great yeah. Oh food. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. This, you're yeah. talking to a New Yorker that moved to the South and yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Southern food. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take us out in the yard and run us too, but it's really good food. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, but uh, what we like to do at the end of uh, each interview is ask our guests, what piece of advice would you carry on? Because this podcast is about, helping the up-and-comers, trying to break into the industry, what piece of advice would you pass along to the up-and-comers, and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid? Well, in terms of uh, what advice to give in terms of moving forward, I'd say the actor's job is to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, you show up prepared, but you, the first thing you have to do is show up. Um, and that sounds silly, uh, but I've seen auditions where the actor wasn't there. You know, and, and, and so just for yourself, um, show up. And the other thing is, is never let your neuroses exceed your talent. Um, you just don't want to do that. You know, we, we're, the work is too hard. Right. Uh, and, and it's better, I think, you know, uh, who am I to say? Because a lot of us are neurotic, we all are. If you got to be, <laughs> if you got to be forty feet tall on stage to be seen, there's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and um, present company included. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just do your best to show up and and work on your craft. Two things you can take care of that you can take care of. You can work on your craft and you can take care of your community. You need somebody to eat spaghetti with. You need somebody that. You know, it's going to buy you a beer when the audition didn't go well or you got close to the job and didn't get it. Um, and just keep working on it until you get so good they, they can't not hire you. There you go. I mean, that yeah, is that's great. great advice. And I always love the, the camaraderie aspect to it. You know, have somebody, as you said, to eat spaghetti with because it is an industry built on rejection. So you've got to have some people around you that can help you get through that. And uh, so that's always good advice to hear. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I hate to give bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I got to tell you, this has been one of the more enjoyable interviews that we've had. It's just been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, I appreciate you guys doing it. It's uh, it's clear that you have a lot of fun and, and – uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm prone to seriousness, so I appreciate you sort of lightening me up a little bit. Oh no, we of we, course, yeah, <laughs> it's been our pleasure, man. And look, open invite anytime you want to come back and talk about the show or just anything you got going on, man. Open invite because, like I said, you've just been an absolute pleasure to talk to, and I know the listeners are going to love it. Well, hey, Dustin, thank you for that, and I'm going to take you up on it, Logan. You know, uh, I'm going to make it up to you for shooting McDreamy. <laughs> <laughs> thank there you. you. Go, thank see? you. <laughs> <laughs> So you you know you can't see it right now, Michael, but the smile on his face is huge. Just like literally knocking me out of the room right now. So <laughs> he's gonna hold you to that. You better watch out. So right, I'm, I'm gonna work on it. I promise. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be redeemed before it's over with. There you go. <laughs> all right. So you listen. Guys take care. Thank you again. All right. Now take care.
Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness. That guy is just, like, honestly, just a guy you can just sit in a room with and talk to for hours and hours and hours. Seriously. Like, he, I, he Didn't he feel like a family member? Yeah. He just felt like you were sit, hanging with an uncle or, yeah. or just, yeah, what a phenomenal guy and just a lot of fun. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I like how he pokes fun at the fact, though, that he is taken so seriously all yeah. the time or has this serious demeanor. Exactly. You know, and, um, but he, he was a lot of fun. I thought he was yeah. hilarious. Agreed. So, yeah. Agreed. I mean, that I guess it kind of sucks in that instance to be like kind of tight cast as such a serious guy and all right. of these serious roles so to let him like lighten up a little bit and like just take the edge off is really nice to see you know what i thought though and, and i love the fact that that we talked to him about both the west wing and Grey's anatomy because i thought it was really interesting and i'd love to get some comments from our from our listeners on this too about like when you're the protector mm-hmm. in a shooter situation yeah. and how the cast treated him and reacted to him on the West Wing. Yeah. But then when you're the shooter, Compared how to, the yeah. cast and the crew reacted to you, like in the Grey's Anatomy. That was really interesting to hear how yeah. that went down, you exactly. know? So, whew, some good stuff, man. Exactly, exactly. Can't wait for you to redeem yourself <laughs> for the McDreamy shootout. But uh, thank you again, Michael O'Neill, for coming on the show.